Ashley Ritchie's Daily Takeaway. What is the correct getting home late etiquette? I went for drinks after the show uh, last night. I got home late. Don't think it was unsociably late, only about quarter to 11, but the rest of the house is asleep. So I got undressed in the kitchen. I think that's normal, right? Do you do that? Is that is that the right thing to do? The only downside is, is it means you come down to breakfast the next morning and all your clothes are there in the kitchen. Your pants, your socks, your T-shirt, your jeans. At least I folded them over the chair, but it's not a good look. Son says to me, Daddy, why are your clothes down here? Your pants are on the floor. It's not a great way to start the day. So how do you do it in your house? What is the correct etiquette? I thought I'd got it nailed. I'm like thinking about everyone else, getting the noisy stuff done downstairs, then I'll go upstairs. How does it happen in your house? I'd like to discuss the perfect getting home late etiquette on the show this evening. Carl says, walk into everything, knock pans out of the cupboard, trying to make some toast elegantly, make a pint of cordial, go to bed, wake up to, why is there butter and cordial all over the side and saucepans on the floor? We're trying to discuss the correct getting in late etiquette at Next here says, staying out late always means checking my ring doorbell to see what time I got in. Also reminds me what colour bin I need to put out after rewinding a week or two. Uh, what is the correct thing to do when you get in late to preserve the happiness of the rest of the house? Uh, Angela, what do you reckon the correct thing to do is? The correct thing would be to do it in the bathroom. Right, so creep upstairs, change in bathroom, then get into bed. Okay. Yeah, but carry, pick your clothes up, carry them in, and place them on the floor. So you wouldn't want clothes left in the bathroom. You're happy for them to be placed in the bedroom. Yeah. All right. I do. And how how does it go in your house when your other half gets in? It's like bag puff. (laughs) Wakes everybody up. (laughs) Everybody or just you? Uh, well, my son's probably already out still getting drunk anyway, so just be me and the dogs. Right. That's another problem if you've still got another one to get in after your other half. <laughs> yeah, I don't hear him coming, though. It's fine. <laughs> Graham in Liverpool says we used to have only one bathroom in the house. That was upstairs. I'd have a pee in the garden. A quick pint of water, then creep upstairs like the guy off the R. White's advert. Good skills, Graham. Uh, Pete says I've built a yurt at the bottom of my garden, so I crash in there. They can't hear me snoring either. Then this anonymous text. I crept up the stairs, grappled silently with the newly painted unit, black paint, then silently left black handprints over a freshly painted bedroom wall and toilet. Everyone got an undisturbed night's sleep. The morning after wasn't quite so calm. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. It's Richie. This is the show that has a radio station for every decade. It's time to jump through time. Bush and Richie through the decades. With Tesco Mobile. One of you could be winning £1,000 as we take you through the decades. Can you answer a question from each of the Absolute Radio decade stations uh, to win? Trying to do that today is Kerry. How are you, Kerry? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, what's been your day today? Been working? What's happening? I have. I've dropped my two little girls off at school, then I went to work, and then I've just done a school run. My littlest has only just started school, and getting to school and then doing work and the pick-up and all that kind of thing, it's such an undertaking, isn't it? It is. 
<laughs> Let's see if we can reward you with some cash because you need it. You deserve it. Uh, here's the rules. Seven questions, one from each of our sister stations. Absolute Radio 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s and the present day. You're going to have 60 seconds on the clock to get all seven questions correct. You can't pass on a question, however. And when the time is up, the game ends. Does that make sense? It does. Right, Kerry, we had someone close yesterday, but they didn't win. Let's see if you can go that step closer. Which decade would you like to start in? Um, I'll start with the 60s. Going to start in the 60s. All right, we can do that. Kerry, good luck. Uh, Let's go through the decades. Through the decades. Right, 60s. 1966 World Cup was won by England, but it was held in which country? Uh, Brazil. No, keep guessing. Oh, um, Argentina. No, keep guessing. Oh, 76. 66, obviously 66. in the 60s, yeah. England um, won it, but where was it held? Oh, my goodness, Germany. No, think of it closer to home. France. Closer to home. England. Correct. <laughs> 70s, Taxi Driver is a 1976 film directed by which legendary filmmaker? Um, I want to say... Alfred Hitchcock. It's not a Hitchcock, no. Keep the names coming. Oh, um... 70s. Oh, I don't know. Um... Spielberg. It's not Spielberg. It's not It's not Hitchcock. Time is up. It's Martin Scorsese. It was another giant. You're a loser and you have lost. Ah, oh, don't worry. Hey, look, it's... No-one's done it since it's been back. It has been won before, but in this latest run, it's not been done. It is tricky. It can be done. Just not going to be you today, Kerry. Hard no, luck. Thank you. Hey, no worries. Uh, you got, <laughs> I hope you have a nice evening. You've got plenty to yeah. be doing, so get it done. Hopefully you can chill. Um, we're going to play again on Monday your chance to play and bag yourself £1,000. If you can't wait until then, you can play Through the Decades on your Amazon smart speaker right now by saying open Through the Decades game. Through the Decades with Tesco Mobile. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. Every Thursday, we run the Hometime Film Club, and today is no exception. With an autumnal feel this evening, I'll tell you why. I had my first pumpkin spiced latte of the season this afternoon. If I look outside the studio window, central London right now, it's grey. It's rapidly becoming dark and not grey. Autumn is here. I think we need to find an autumnal movie. Something that can set the season going. Something that we could get in this evening and watch. What is the perfect film for a dark evening, all right? So I'm going to put forward Knives Out, a couple of years old. I remember watching it. Daniel Craig's in it, uh, Chris Evans in it, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a bit of an all-star one. It's a whodunit. I remember watching it thinking, oh, I haven't heard about this. What's this all about? Really surprised me. It was really, really good. So a belter of a whodunit I'm putting forward. You might want to be a bit more cleverer with this. You might think of a movie that does kind of have all the leaves falling from the trees and is of the season. Uh, What should we watch tonight, Maria? I am going with Hocus Pocus, Mm -hmm. the original, 
in anticipation of next week's release of Hocus Pocus 2. Maria, how did I not know there was a Hocus Pocus 2 happening? Ooh. You're you're ahead of the game. Oh. <laughs> I try to be. I do try to be. It's a Walt Disney classic. Exactly. Hocus exactly. Pocus 2. So that must be ready for, like, Halloween season and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's the 30th. <laughs> Listen to old Barry Norman here. She's got all the details. <laughs> All right, Hocus Pocus, it's a good shout, particularly with this knowledge of the sequel. Well done. Oh, well, thank you. Neil suggested The Hunt for Red October. I see what you've done there with the title. Uh, Steve, Spinal Tap, some giggles to get us over the rapidly onsetting darkness. Hound of the Baskervilles, 1939 black and white version with Basil Rathbone as Sherlock. It's Nicola in Sedgley. Uh, Paula, what are you putting forwards? Well, it would sound me, Louise. I've not seen it for ages, so why not? <laughs> OK, is there a particular reason when asked for an autumnal movie you thought Thelma and Louise? Not really. It's <laughs> one of those movies that you think, just watch it because it's brilliant. Even if you've seen it many times, just watch it. Cup of cocoa, watch it. <laughs> I mean, at best, they are wearing headscarves in the car, aren't they, at points? So it's obviously think? a touch chilly with the with the top down. <laughs> yep. Got a headscarf on. That's All right. <laughs> I mean, it's an all-time early 90s classic, so it's up for consideration. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Take care. So many suggestions for the Goonies. We have had the Goonies as a winner on the Hometime Film Club for another category before. So we can't put it in again this evening, even though so many have suggested it. Because Maria gave us the intel of Hocus Pocus 2 coming out next week, still starring Bette Midler, but this time Sarah Jessica Parker as well, we are going to put Hocus Pocus as our winning film this evening. A classic. That's what we've put uh, as the film to watch for your autumnal choice tonight on the Hometime Film Club. This is Bush and Rich's Daily Takeaway. James, welcome back to Absolute Radio. It's been a long while. It has been a long while, but thank you very much. It's extremely nice to be here as ever. <laughs> uh, how are you? I was I was warned about nudity and alcohol use uh, at the beginning uh, of uh, mm. the Grand Tour Presents a Scandi Flick. Um, I'm not sure that entirely prepared me for what I was about to see, to be honest. I, I'm not sure where the nudity is. I've, <laughs> I've been told there might be a bit of light mooning at the end. And but even seeing... that was pixelated. Yeah, so it doesn't count, does not it? Not really, um, no. Um, alcohol abuse, do we... I mean, I think you might... It was alcohol it. use. I don't think anyone oh, was abusing use. it. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, yes, okay. We do, we have a drink occasionally, I suppose, yeah. I saw so much more, and, and this is what we need to uh, address um, for the rest of this conversation. I guess it's kind of like a little bit like a, uh, a choose-your-own-adventure-style interview. Obviously, um, uh, the episode has been out on Prime for a few days now, so mm -hmm. people have had the chance to see it. But you're in to talk to us uh, and obviously get other people who haven't seen it to see to it. To see it, yes. So there is this spoiler decision uh, about a big thing that's in it. How do we play this? If if you want to, um, there is an incident in it that we could refer to as when you went and played the piano, for example. And then the rest of the interview, we could talk about how you play the piano rather than what actually happens to you. I think we'll talk about when I play the piano. <laughs> 
It was Beethoven, wasn't it? It was the slow movement of the Patetique Sonata in C minor. It wasn't a particularly slow movement. No. <laughs> well, there are, there are various ways of doing it. I think some people play it too slow, but you don't want to play it so quickly that the meaning is lost because, <laughs> you know, some of, the, some of the notes become obscured by speed. This is, this gonna is make, true of a lot of music. This is going to make more sense to people who have seen it <laughs> and be very confusing to those that haven't. Um, so Should we we'll, just say it? Yeah, you well, had a crash. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, the quest to find the greatest rally car of all time. I've Rally cars, uh, touring cars, for me, they've always been... That's been the motoring that I've found the most fun to watch because it's the stuff that we can drive. Yes, exactly. And you're of that age, if you don't mind me saying, where where those cars were... Th- there was a lot of focus on the actual motorsport that was generating them, i.e. touring cars and rallying. They were very, very big at the time. And, as you say, there was a, effectively homologation versions of those cars that you could buy and drive. And they weren't... They weren't exotic in the way that Ferraris and Lamborghinis are exotic and therefore very expensive. But actually, from a, an engineering point of view, they, they are exotic because they are race-bred and, in a way, you could believe that by driving one as your normal car, you were helping with the research and development, if you like. You were, you were playing a tiny little yeah. part in their victories, and that was... Yeah, I think that's what made them exciting. You had to be a car nerd to get that. To, uh, to everybody else, they were stupid cars with wings on and gold wheels, you know, but... Well, it was grandstand on a Saturday afternoon. There yes. was rally driving, there was touring cars, and, you know, as a, as a kid, I'd see my dad's Cavalier SRI go round and think, that's like, that's like my dad's car, I can get into that. Yes, yes. So, I mean, you know, uh, ahead of, like, what you guys then went and did with the rally cars uh, across the, the Arctic Circle, is, was, was that always a form of motoring that, that got you? I think it... Well, I used to watch the rallying a bit... I used to watch much more of this stuff when I was younger. I used to watch a lot of Formula One, and I recently I haven't watched it at all because it seems to have become just too dull. It's anything but... A race, it seems to me. You seem to be watching sort of business, glamour, marketing, all things that aren't really motorsport. That's yeah. how it seems to me. But, yes, I used to, and I used to like those cars. Um, not so much the Audi, because I thought Jeremy was cheating a bit there, but the, the Subaru and the Mitsubishi. I mean, I drove those cars when they were new, and I remember writing reviews about them. This is how long we've been doing this. Cars mm. that we thought were new and exciting, we are now driving as classics. <laughs> Um, but knowing where all the buttons are, you know, because we've been in them hundreds of times before. So it was it was quite a... It was slightly nostalgia, but also a very exciting moment getting back into that Evo, because I hadn't been in one for a very long time. Yeah. And it all sort of came back to me. And it's quite, it's quite a sort of steamier car now. It's got a very simple dashboard. Um, it's not connected. There's no, you know, reconfigurable dashboard or any of that stuff that we've seen so much of since. It's just a car, but a very, very well-sorted one. So it's like, in a sense, it's a bit like, I don't want to get too nerdy about this, but it's like having a one-use tool, a really nice knife that you just use for cutting up fish, mm-hmm. you know, like a professional chef would, and you've got one and it's exactly right, the, the right shape for your hand and it's perfectly balanced for you and it's exactly the right length and you know how to get it perfectly sharp, but that's all you do with it, you just cut fish. They have that sort of appeal about them. They're not yeah. multi-tools, they are precision instruments of driving. You refer to the cars as classics. Um, there was there was a moment when I was watching it um, 
uh, watching the episode and uh, and seeing you three, it could be argued that that you three are classics as well. Um, you're all three at various points of the episode seen wearing glasses. But what I did notice is that uh, Jeremy and Richard uh, very much wearing their glasses on the end of their nose and they looking over that. the top of them. Are you the only person who is brave enough to uh, go with the very focals? Uh, I think Hammond's are very focals as well. Now I'm I'm struggling with it a bit because. I've been wearing reading glasses for quite a few years and then in the last, oh, I suppose it's the last two, three years, I've had to accept that I probably need very focals, but I can't quite get used to them. I've got them on now. Yes. But this is radio, of course. <laughs> for those of you listening on the radio, James is wearing his glasses. <laughs> but it, right up his nose. Right up my nose. But the, the, there's a... I, I paid for all the extra bits, the 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 the, the um, more gentle graduation, yeah. the the special coatings, all this stuff that's supposedly on there <laughs> and costs an extra million pounds. Yeah. But I still find that they, they they create phantom steps. And I rode here on my bicycle, and that's the one time I do end up putting them down my nose and looking over them because I find if I've got them on, the, you're looking through the reading bit when you look down near the front wheel for say, an obstacle or a pothole, and then you look up through the other bits, which mm. is exactly how they're meant to work. You're supposed to be able to read a book and then look at look at the feature on the horizon or whatever. But when I'm on the bicycle, I, I sometimes I ride along and I think, there's a step. Well, of course <laughs> there isn't, because it's a road. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm still not entirely comfortable with them. Um, we've we've already agreed then that uh, we won't refer to it as you playing the piano. We'll we'll refer to your accident. Um, I can play the second movement of Beethoven <laughs> in C minor pattern. We'll, we'll come back uh, to the piano forte okay. soon. <laughs> um, when 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 I found out that I was having the chance to to chat with you again, which is always a pleasure. Deep in my mind, I was thinking, I'm sure I already had an accident at some point a few months back. Um, I must read up on that. And I was watching um, the episode, and then I didn't have to read up on it, because it happens uh, in this, this latest one. Um, you can laugh it off, but that looked awful. Well, I mean, it, like most accidents, it happens very quickly, so you don't really get very much time to think about it. 78 miles an hour, they seem to work out. Well, that's how... I don't think I was still going that far. <laughs> no, no, that's walk, true. Because yeah. I, had, I had managed to slow down a bit, but... Um, it, it's it's not that bad, to be honest. It's plenty of people. Well, Richard Hammond obviously has yeah. had much bigger crashes. Um, it, it was it was a bit of a shunt, as my dad would say. He's had, he's had a bit of a shunt, yeah. <laughs> so it could have been much worse, I suppose. It could have been. It could have been a lot worse. But it could have um... been much better as well. I could have done it properly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but you managed to complete and take part in in the rest of the episode. Obviously, so much so much can be planned, but but equally, so much obviously would have had to have been uh, adapted for what you you might have anticipated was was going to happen in this particular trip. Yes, well, I I quite like. I don't particularly like crashing a car to make it happen, but I quite like it when the universe provides, as we sometimes say in TV. But because, it really did, didn't it? Yeah, in lots of ways, and I mean the the changeable weather, all sorts of things. And I, I think um, I'd just like to say for the record that going back to what we were saying about rally cars and how much we loved them when we were younger and so on, the whole point of a rally car and and why they have to be homologated and all the rest of it is that in real rallying. The cars are crashed, that sort of crash mm. and rollovers and things all the time, and they have to be mended out in the field. They're hammered back into shape with mallets, and, and you know, effectively the, the rallying equivalent of the Bush mechanic kicks the car back into shape, and then it carries on, which is what I did twice, in <laughs> fact, 
And all this really means is that I just do my job much more thoroughly than the other two. That's all. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I've seen you recently do do shows where you've you've you travelled the length of Japan. You've you've built miniature railways in in Devon. You're teased for by the boys for for being slow. After incidents here with your your Beethoven's movement and the piano and the accident and all this kind of thing, does your appetite for speed and risk still remain the same? Well, I'm not particularly keen on risk. I am quite a cautious person. I have, I mean, my main driving ambition is not to run over anybody. <laughs> I, I proclaimed this some years ago in Top Gear magazine. I want to get to the end of my life having not run over anybody else because I'd, I'd, I'd hate myself for that. Um, well, but it's not quite fair to say I do everything slowly. I'm actually quite good at, say, fast cooking. And I'm quite good at multitasking with two arms because I can play the piano. So I can play the slow movement of Beethoven's C minor Pathetique Sonata. <laughs> and the first movement, actually, which is the difficult one. I always say to people that, that you are a man that, that has a, a fact at his disposal. Um, when you last came in uh, to chat with us on Home Time, I remember having a, a long conversation with you about a, a website that a friend of yours had devised as to uh, the, the current usage of uh, power stations in the UK. And oh, GB National Grid Status. Yes, <laughs> still see. one of my favourite websites. Always. I was looking at it yesterday. <laughs> oh, he's got Yesterday, that. only 3% of electricity generated in the UK came from coal. <laughs> I can tell you that for a fact. Um as of last night. Finnish speed limits and how they're policed was, was one of the things that really took me um, aside in, in this yes. particular episode. Um, what would be your go-to fact at the moment if you were down the pub with someone and you had to share something there and then? Oh, does it have to be about Finland? It doesn't um, have to be about Finland. It could be anything. Uh, God, what's an interesting fact I've discovered recently? The type of ambulance that uh, the late Queen Elizabeth drove in the 1940s when she did a war service was an Austin K2. And I came across this quite by chance because Airfix mm -hmm. recently released... They used to make a model of the K2 ambulance back when I was a child, which is why I was familiar with it. It was a tiny little 70-second scale thing that fit in the palm of your hand. They've now brought out a big, super detailed, proper nerdy model thing. And I saw it um, in a shop and I thought, they've missed a bit of a trick. Not that they knew what was going to happen to the Queen, obviously, but mm. they, I think they ought, to be, they ought to bring out a special edition, the Queen's Ambulance. That's a great fact. That's they should do fact, that. That's a good fact, isn't it? It's interesting... You, you, it's not you, that good, actually. <laughs> we could come up with a better one. <laughs> well, there's, there's still time before we finish talking. Either that or we'll go back to pianos. But uh, it's interesting, you, you, you mentioned about the events in the country of the last, the last fortnight. Um, watching... Watching on Monday um, uh, to to the state funeral, there were so ma so many smaller things that I'm sure we all noticed. And one of the things that was was so present of mind for me was the royal family's cars. Um, you've got such a mixture of some 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 very high spec modern ones. Um, you've got some incredibly old and magnificent and well maintained cars. And then I'm thinking about how often they're all used. And then I'm thinking about the pressure on those cars of that day and the speed that they're having to move. And if one of them stalls or a clutch yeah. goes on one of them, and I know, I what a massive part they played in the day. I also noticed. I mean, I watched the the, the ceremony and everything on the television because I I, I wanted to watch the whole thing. Mm. But then the the procession came past the well, it came down the A4 out of London, which is just a like a two minute walk from my house. So we quickly ran down there after the Westminster Abbey bit. 
But I thought it was, and I've never seen this before, so the hearse came past and there was some, you know, cheering and, mm. and applause, a few motorcycles and things, and then a spare hearse. Did anybody, did I imagine that? I did anybody? not see that. There was this, I think, I th and, well, unless I was, I can't have dreamt that. There was like a, a reserve hearse. But I suppose it's something that could go wrong. Just, I guess it could be. I mean, it could have a puncture. Absolutely. Uh, uh, sudden, everybody in here is... Googling Very spare hearse. <laughs> I'm, I'm beginning to wish I hadn't said this, because did I just imagine it? <laughs> Hang on. I can't see it. We will wait for the... Uh, James, you were there. You were, you were a witness. I mean, trust yourself. Trust your eyes. Trust those glasses I you know, paid millions yeah, for. I did have them on. There was also... There was a white van bringing up the rear. What was the white van? Did I imagine that as well? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be in the know. I thought you'd you, you'd know where things were maintained and all this kind of stuff. You're letting... no, I don't. I've often wondered that actually about about cars to the royal household because they've got a lot. I know the the Queen because they've got the barracks for the horses yeah. and the soldiers and all that kind of stuff. They Buckingham... must have royal garages somewhere. I think they've got several. I think Buckingham Palace has a, a big garage. And well, the front of it's a forecourt, really, isn't it? It, it is sort. Of, yes, it's off-street parking. I think you call it. But I know the Queen has or had um, a Rover, an old Rover P5, because many hundreds of years ago, when I used to write some car review things for Country Life, who were very into this sort of thing, they arranged for me to have a drive in it, and I drove the Queen's wow. car, wow. which I thought was was. I'm, I'm surprised they let me do it actually, but <laughs> I, I was allowed to drive. The, but yes, but the, they met, they must be used. Not that often, yeah. um, and they, they don't go on a good run, as our parents <laughs> no, would have exactly, said. They, they sort yeah. of dawdle through town, <laughs> you know, um, and it can't be that good for them, really. And that the, the big, the big maroon Rolls Royce, which is a Phantom Six, isn't yeah. it? That's the state limo. That's quite old now. That must I'd have say. been built in the early sixties. I think, I think there's a there's a there's a future grand tour on the royal cars. I'm sure they'll let us straight into the royal garage to, <laughs> to drive all the cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we let you go, you 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 said that you are so good at, uh, at rapidly cooking. Um, we are a home time show. People are heading home. They're eating right now. What is for dinner tonight, or what would your signature dish be? Well, my uh, this is you've you've gifted me an excellent opportunity to plug my forthcoming O Cook Two cooking show, which should be out early next year and available on Amazon along with streaming music, next day delivery, and more. Um, <laughs> I would say it used to be uh, shepherd's pie, cheesy pasta, and fish pie. Those are the three things I made, but I've learned to make a lot of other things since. And I think if say you turned up tonight unexpectedly unlikely say, I know. Oh, very highly <laughs> unlikely <laughs> I would I, I would offer you if you want something quick I could do you a very quick stir fry yeah. I could do you a stir fry in a matter of minutes because it can't take any longer really okay um, or I could do you some quite interesting home concocted pastas what would you like? I'm of Italian heritage, so I think uh, I'd have to try the James May pasta. Okay, well, I can do you my very own homemade pesto, which yep. is quite nice. Or I can green do or red, green. Okay, yeah, because I, I like the basil. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. It makes yeah. me think of Italy. Actually. Do you have an actual pestle and mortar? I have a pestle and mortar. I, I love do. it. I have two: a big one and a small one. Why would one need two sized pestle and mortar? Because you use the. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> State comprehension. Scholarly, yeah. yes. Um, I think it's because you have... Well, I think it's... you. It's, I'm old, so I've acquired things and I've been given gifts. But the big Five. one, the big one, which isn't a, one of those really massive, pretentious marble ones, but it's reasonably big. You can use that for things like squashing basil. The little one, which is a, is a palm-of-the-hand one, um, 
if you just if you're just making something like a curry for two people and you just need a little bit of cardamom it's great for that because it, it gets a bit lost in the big one <laughs> do you know what i mean it, i do i it do looks, it looks sort of lonely and We've covered it all. Why, why are we talking about Beethoven, <laughs> Beethoven cars and making green pesto uh, at home. James, it's it's always a pleasure having you in. Um, you know, it's I always a pleasure to be here. But can I, sorry, before you get rid of me. Can I, I, well, I don't want to get rid of you, to be quite frank, but yeah, no, I please. Right? I just want... You are. There was a spare hearse. Yeah, I didn't imagine that. Well, well, no, I, that I, is nev- I never, I never believed that you did imagine it. I was beginning to doubt myself. But they, <laughs> that, that really, I, don't, I also thought of all... I mean, it must have been nerve-wracking being involved in that. Absolutely. Because, A, it's the Queen, you know, and, B, it's on the telly, and it's supposedly the biggest televised event in history now, yeah. or something like that. Until everyone's caught up with uh, the Grand Tour uh, a scanty flick. How how much would you be perfectly willing to buy those pallbearers a beer? Because I cannot right imagine... I mean, I, I'll buy them all beer for a month. That was a... I've said it, haven't I, on the radio, but... <laughs> But that was such a horrific... I mean, an honour, I presume, but yeah. a horrific responsibility. I mean, uh, it's... At I, so I've many points. I've done it once, and I, I, I found it nerve-wracking, and that was, you know, a private funeral yeah. for a friend. And to do it at a state funeral in the... in the oh, ugh. With the steps involved um, oh, at yeah, yes, yeah. Windsor and the and chapel that and that... flag could get tangled. Incredible. Oh. Incredible. Yeah. So much about it was... But it was beautifully done, I thought. I mean, you... Whatever you think of the British, we are world leaders in forming an orderly queue and giving someone a right good royal state send-off. I mean, I don't think we can be beat. And both of those happened very much so over the last week. Um, I don't want to get rid of you, uh, but but thank you so it's much right, for coming I can in. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll take that as a formal invite to come over for the pasta. So yeah, please um, do. Yeah, we'll work that one out. James, thank you so much. Thank you. The Daily Takeaway. Russian Richie's Daily Takeaway.